You are listening to episode two of the EU Startups podcast, featuring an interview with King.com founder Riccardo Zacconi, who created one of the world's leading games companies. Hello and welcome back to the EU Startups Podcast. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone who tuned in to our very first episode in the beginning of this month. My team and I are very happy with the response so far and in total we already counted about 3,000 listeners for that very first episode across different channels. A big thank you also goes out to our podcast sponsor. The EU Startups Podcast is powered by Shareworks by Morgan Stanley. Combining cutting-edge technology with outstanding client service, Shareworks by Morgan Stanley provides solutions designed for the unique needs of startups. Shareworks by Morgan Stanley simplifies the complexities of equity plan management, helps you engage with your employees, and provides your business with the tools it needs to comply with local and regulatory requirements. As an integrated platform, everything from HRIS integration to audit-ready financial reporting works together seamlessly for improved accuracy, collaboration and decision-making. For more information, visit shareworks.com or check out the link in our show notes to schedule a free demo. But now, without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation with Ricardo Zacconi. The audio quality is a bit rough around the edges, but I hope you'll enjoy the interview. Today I'm excited to have Ricardo Zacconi on the show. Ricardo is the co-founder and former CEO of King. The European unicorn King created blockbuster games like Candy Crush and many more and today is one of the world's leading games companies. The Italian entrepreneur Riccardo Zacconi co-founded King in 2003 and grew the company from a tiny team to a few thousand employees. King did an IPO in 2014, and in the beginning of 2016, the company was acquired by Activation Blizzard for $5.9 billion. Riccardo, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Thomas. So maybe let's start off at the very beginning, from your time before King. How did your entrepreneurial journey start before you eventually founded King? Before starting King, it was a long period of time. I knew that I always had the the, the urge, the need to to build my own company. But I, on one side, I needed an idea, and on the other side, I needed a, a very strong team. And so it took me a long time before getting there. And I collected a lot of experience before that. So before starting King. I worked after my university for eight years in uh, strategy consulting. Um, after, in 1999, I joined a small startup which had just started uh, called Spray, and we went from a few people to 800 people in the space of a year. Wow. And then uh, after selling Spray in, uh, in 2000, I then uh, joined another startup called Udate in the dating space. And um, this was, however, a very short period because we sold the company after after a few months after I joined. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I started King with my former colleagues from Spray and and Udate. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you had some experience from Spray and Udate uh, when you started King, and uh, but still, 
starting companies is hard, and I'm sure you had some challenges. So what were the biggest challenges and, and hurdles for King in the beginning? Well, I, I guess it is this usual challenges that anyone has, uh, but at the time they were very hard because it was very difficult. The first challenge was to find money, and back in uh, 2003, uh, it was very unpopular to work in, uh, in tech startups. And so it was, it was challenging to find money. And we put in all of our money. And at some point, when our money finished, we were almost bust. Uh, we, we really managed to get to raise money in the last second. And, uh, and then the second challenge was after raising money was to, to get users through the door. Uh, we didn't have enough money for marketing. So basically, I literally went from door to door, knocking the doors and, and doing deals to, to get distribution. And then, uh, and then uh, it, it was about then retaining the users. Uh, and uh, in the course of the, of, of the company, of the beginning, especially the beginning, basically it was a, a question of life and death every second week. Mm -hmm. And then uh, periods got longer. But even after we got profitable, after a year and a half, after starting the company, we had some, uh, some really bad moments. So one time we, we lost the processing, credit card processing, so imagine if you can process any more your, your revenue, your revenue, suddenly half of your revenues went down, half of our revenues went down. And then we, later on, when Facebook uh, grew very, very fast, it took away uh, users uh, from our largest distribution partner, which was Yahoo. And Yahoo lost about 50% of the users in the games channel. And we were basically the games channel of Yahoo. So we got, uh, Basically, our 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 growth got uh, got already got uh, destroyed overnight, and our new user new user inflow got halved. Basically, in a, in a very very short period of time, that was another very very difficult time. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, and as a startup founder, you also you worry a lot. You work a lot. Um, what is your approach to work life balance uh, as a founder? Um, I mean, do you have to sleep in the office to be successful, or what was your approach back then? Well, I think the approach is you do whatever is needed to to get the company forward. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it's uh, to build a company is not a sprint; it's a marathon. So it's really important that you have a way of working that you can sustain over a very long period of time, staying uh, sane in your head. Uh, and uh, and for me, this was always uh, my my the way how I de-stress and how I keep this balance is by doing sports. Mm -hmm. In my free time, at the time I did not have a family, uh, and then later when I when uh, when I had a family, then of course it was also prioritizing uh, also the family. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's it's uh, it's not always very easy to do, and uh, there are times where where you know then uh, work and everything comes together where where unfortunately you need to sacrifice, mm -hmm. and often uh, the, the the sacrifice was at the cost of uh, of seeing friends or joining events or. Or having fun. Mm -hmm. Okay, talking about work ethics and culture, um, how do you make sure in a fast-growing company like King to keep a good company culture and to keep everyone mo motivated? How do you, did you do that? Well, I think culture is created from the top. Uh, when people join a company and they are new to the company, they always look up to understand how they should behave. Uh, what is allowed, what is not allowed. And I think, therefore, in particular, the role of the CEO and in particular the role of the founder is fundamental because you are the example to, to which people look to 
to understand basically what is what is allowed to do in the company. And it starts from simple things like, you know, when you go in the office, but also more importantly, how you work and what is important for you. So if you manage by results or if you manage by how long people are sitting on the chair. And for me, it was always important to see the results and never for basically where the people are or how long they, when they come in the office or when they leave the office. Um, and, uh, and it starts also with very small things, like, for example, taking care of, uh, of the things around you. So for me, for example, when I want to judge the company culture, the first thing I do is I go to the bathroom and I check if the bathroom says the toilets are clean or not. Okay. Because it's the first, it's the first signal of uh, how people respect what they have around them and how they respect others. So I think that uh, you need to create a culture in a company where that's what we try to do, where you respect others like you want to be respected. A company where you are treated like you want to, like, like in a company where you treat others like you want to be treated, and a company culture which is open, where uh, you can discuss anything. A company culture which is flat, where it's not about the hierarchy, it's about the argument that wins, and a company culture where errors are part of the model, where anyone sooner or later will make mistakes, and therefore the only important thing is to talk about it. And to learn from mistakes and see mistakes as opportunities to learn what works and what doesn't work, and also to cement a culture where uh, mistakes are part of, of how you work. Because if you don't make mistakes, it means that you're not running fast enough, you're not experimenting and pushing the boundaries strong enough. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the games industry seems to be a kind of hit-driven business, and Candy Crush appears to be King.com's biggest hit so far. Do you think there's some kind of a recipe to create a successful game? Well, I I don't know. I can't. I, if if there was a if if there was a standard recipe, it would be very easy, right? So I don't think there's a standard recipe. As soon as I tell you something, immediately someone else will probably say the opposite and and be right with that. So I think my thoughts are that uh, in general, this does not apply only to games. Is keep it simple, meaning. Uh, if it's very complex to get into a game, that many you lose many people. So you might only get very few that go through the door. And secondly, also, if you have mechanisms that in some ways are familiar, it again, it makes it easier for people to get into, into a game or get into an app. But then if it's the same, same, if it's not really different from what is around, then it's very difficult to differentiate from others. And therefore, If uh, the product is not differentiated, it becomes only a matter of marketing, marketing dollars on who wins. And so I think it's, uh, it's really important that products are differentiated. Uh, but if you make it in a way that is familiar and you use some familiar loops or familiar uh, ways to get into it and, and a simple way to get into the app, I think you have a 30-second attention span at the beginning to basically convince someone to download and to try your app. So um, it has to be very, very attractive. Mm -hmm. Okay. So King has been one of the biggest games and technology success stories of the recent past in Europe uh, or in the world, so to speak. And But you also made mistakes along the way, I assume, as, as everyone do, does. So what, what were your biggest mistakes during a, your time leading King? I made mistakes every every day. So... You know, it's, uh, I think that we made, I mean, I mean, mistakes continuously and mistakes started from 
from recruiting, we sometimes you recruit the wrong people, but there you need to, and whatever mistake you make fundamentally, you have to react fast. We made mistakes strategically. We had, uh, for example, once a debate with one of my uh, co-founder and also in the, in the management team, whether we should go in one way or in another way. And, uh, and, uh, and I was convinced of a specific way and I pushed it also through the board because you know, when we are not in, in agreement, it's always the board that decides. And I was wrong. So uh, I think the, the important thing is not not to make mistakes, but the important thing is to is to recognize and as fast as possible when you have made a mistake, and also to to be open for feedback. Sometimes it's very difficult to understand whether you made a mistake or whether it's possibly too early, and you just need to continue and insist more and and not give up. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes the path, the difference between failure and success, sometimes is uh, is very tiny, and uh, and it's very important not to give up. And that's sometimes the most difficult thing is to understand when something is not right or when something is right. Mm-hmm. And uh, and here we look, for example, one thing which we developed as, as part of, of King is a very strong focus on metrics. So whatever we, we do is is, uh, is basically measured. And we try to help our decision-making and understanding whether we have made a mistake or not with uh, uh, with data, data with, that measure really everything. Mm-hmm. And that helps basically to... Uh, not only to not, not not necessarily not to make mistakes, but to learn from mistakes. Mm-hmm. Okay. In 2014, you did the largest IPO of a European company at that time. Uh, what was your, the experience like, and did you learn anything from it, or was it how was it like? Well, on a personal basis, it was something that I will never forget because we IPO'd on the New York Stock Exchange, which is the the place where usually uh, the movies are made, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a huge flag with uh, with a banner outside with Candy Crush and all the Candy Crush uh, characters outside of the stock exchange, and then uh, inside uh, we we went on the on the on the stage up there uh, with the with all the founders and uh, and then we rang the bell to start trading, and it was early in the morning and the bell is a red button and you press the red button and suddenly the stock exchange goes on goes on. Um, and then we went down, and I traded the first stock in King. So that those are all beautiful memories. Uh, of course, it was a bit less beautiful memory when the stock suddenly started going down. And <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, another more difficult time was when we missed the first quarter, and uh, and then you learned that uh, we knew already before, of course, but uh, that uh, that uh, you know you should not miss. But uh, sometimes you know it is what it is and uh, and so we missed the first quarter and then when you miss the first quarter you get penalized you get put into into the into the penalty corner mm-hmm. and then it takes many many quarters to to get back up and so i think that probably with the intelligence of post it was actually it was it was a good thing i think to be public because we learned a lot in terms of uh, becoming even more i would say pro- professional in some ways because you have to be, you know, you have to man- you have to learn how to do better forecasts and and how to manage the company in an even more organized way. In some ways, it's, it's, it's different than managing a board. A board, if you want, once you're public, you have to manage also the expectations from investors and and analysts. And I think that uh, my key my key takeaway from the time is if I had to give an advice to other companies, do not rush into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, take your time. And because once you do that, then a lot of the focus in, in a company also gets uh, gets focused on on 
on uh, on being a public company. Mm-hmm. Okay. So currently, I assume not many companies are thinking about an IPO because we're in different times. COVID-19 has hit everyone very hard. Um, how did COVID-19 and the current crisis impact King.com so, so far? Well, I think it's not just King.com, but if you look at digital businesses, they have flourished during this time. Mm-hmm. I mean, people have more time now uh, than ever to basically consume digital content. And so I think in general, digital companies have done extremely well and mm-hmm. games and games are part of this. And how did, do you see um, the venture capital field changing through COVID-19? Do you think there will be less venture capital in the next um, one, two, three years? Or will the appetite continue to be there and investment will continue to pour in? I think that uh, tech companies are doing extremely well with uh, in this time, I think. And therefore, and there is more money than ever in the market. So I don't see venture capital basically decreasing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're also investing in startups through your VC firm, Sweet Capital. Which startups are you most interested in uh, and what have been some of your most prominent investments so far? We are focusing on mobile consumer, um, basically businesses which we think we can help. So we focus on business where we have experience in, uh, where we can use the, the experience from, from having developed a Busy Candy Crush, with, we, had, we had about half a billion users at the time when we launched, after launch. So I, I think that we, 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 we learned a lot in terms of how to scale a company, not just organically, but also with marketing. We spent about $100 million, $100 million per quarter in marketing. And, uh, and we invested in, in, in companies like, for example, Hooked, which uh, basically has a team of writers that uh, comes up with stories and the stories are then checked with the community and the best stories are then developed into movies mm-hmm. and films. Uh, we have, a, for example, a company called Ubo, an investment in Ubo that is a, a, a social network with, with dating for, for, for the young generation. We invested in The Pattern, which is an amazing company that uh, if you try it out, it, uh, it gives you your... A daily, uh, a daily. It's more than a horoscope. It's really a, a perspective on on your life, and it's incredibly accurate. And I have no idea how they manage to do it. And then they have another investment is is Peanut, which is a social network for moms. Uh, we invested also in a company called Simple Feast that uh, delivers organic uh, organic food at home uh, for you to prepare. It's uh, delicious. So those are some of the some of the investments. We invest in a company called Electric Playbox, where uh, you can play games with your friends. In this case, they are games that you play uh, not virtually, but you play in a physical space. Um, so yeah, those are some of the investments we made. Okay, interesting. And what is the best way for startups founders who are now listening to reach you and your um, partners at Sweet Capital? Um, should they just go to the website or best find a way through your network to get an entry? No, the best way is usually is, is on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, you know, basically the company Sweet Capital is managed by, by Christian Dorfer uh, and, and Pippa Lamb. And, uh, and so when, uh, when, when someone approaches me, then I usually, what I do is afford this to, to Christian and Pippa. And then, uh, they, they start the first 
screen and then we discuss it together also with my other founders and uh, and then when we like a deal then then we invest but that's the beginning because the, 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 really the work starts after that when when we can also be useful to companies uh, so for example we we have product sessions where we we review where basically how how the the product but when they need it so we, we never push it on on the founder but the founders usually uh, ask us when when they need it to get when they want to have feedback either on the marketing side or on the on the product side mm -hmm. okay imagine king.com was just a dream ricardo and you wake up tomorrow morning and you're mid 20 again with no entrepreneurial accomplishment so far what kind of company would you start today well i think that there are two uh, areas i think f first of all i think that in tech Mobile is here to stay, so it's, it's a platform where if you get something, if you come up with an idea that is innovative and something that's different from what is around, mm -hmm. you can actually scale uh, very fast to hundreds of millions of users. And you can start a company with few people, like we were six people at the beginning, and we were 2,000 later. Uh, we can, you can scale really a company with very few people and slowly build it up and then scale it also very fast. Uh, another area which I think is, is uh, I think we will see some of the biggest improvements or increases in human knowledge, I think, is, is medical research. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and that's another area which I think is fascinating. So I created a, a foundation that is focusing on the research into the space of rare genetic diseases. And it's fascinating what, uh, what, what is happening in that field, for example. Mm -hmm. So if I, if I had the knowledge... If I had to, had to study from the beginning, so not before basically still deciding what to study, I would either study uh, how to program or I would study genetics. And uh, in, in the sense of how to program, we are now about to, to launch in Italy a, a school for programming called uh, Ecole 42, which is a, a school which was developed in France and now we're bringing it to Italy that uh, teaches to program to, to busy to anyone. And, uh, and the only requirement for joining is, uh, is to be smart with no previous knowledge. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, a spontaneous question that just pumped into my mind. You're an Italian entrepreneur. King.com is based, if I'm not mistaken, in Malta, London, Barcelona, uh, in the US and several other places. But, but I, I'm not sure if you have a big presence in Italy. Um, What led you to that decision to not start a company in Italy? And do you think it helped you to create that company mainly in London? Well, actually, strictly speaking, the company was, was actually started off Sweden because I started with my, my, my founders, my co-founders were actually in Sweden. Mm -hmm. So we started the product was in Sweden. I was based in London, but initially living in Sweden. And uh, there's a lot of chance in life. So the reason why we started in Sweden was because when we did spray, uh, they were based in Sweden and I was based in uh, and I was based in Germany. Later I moved to London and that's why I stayed in London afterwards. So there's a lot of chance. If I had to restart, I would love to start a company from Italy mm -hmm. because I think that there are some amazing people and I think the the quality of life is uh, is is really good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you would argue great companies can be built pretty much anywhere. Great companies can be built anywhere. You need an idea and you can have an idea anywhere. And you need to have great people uh, to start a company with. I think that uh, historically Silicon Valley has had 
let's say, more people that have gone through the phases of building a new company, so people with experience in tech. But now this is not anymore true that you have only people in Silicon Valley. You have amazing people that have, that, that have done companies in the whole of Europe, mm-hmm. for example. Okay. So in May 2019, you stepped down as CEO of King. Uh, so theoretically, you would have time to start a company again uh, someday in the future. Is that something that you consider or do you see the next phase of your life more as uh, investor and in involvement in different projects? Look, I, I have stepped, stepped down since basically more or less a year, but I'm busier than ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the different projects that, that I am now starting, one of which, as I said, is to, to bring this coding school to Italy, then I this my charitable foundation and, and sweet capital. But, uh, you know, I still have this, this desire internally to do something, something new. So we'll see, we'll see. And I don't know yet. Mm-hmm. Okay. One very last question that also takes us back uh, into time travel. So imagine you're like 25, 20 uh, again. What piece of advice uh, would you give yourself regarding business and life? Is is there something that you wish you would have known as a 25-year-old that you know now? I think the the, the main advice which I would give is the, the only risk in life is not to risk. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you, you know, when you go down a secure path, but you know that the secure path is not something that takes you closer to, to your targets, then you should drop it because then you know already that it, but it's not working. So I think I went always down this, this, this path, but if I had to restart again, probably I would, I would learn to program. And then so that I can I can be faster in testing different things. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you very much, Ricardo, for your time. It was a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Thomas. Keep safe. Stay safe in London. And yeah. um, enjoy yeah. Barcelona. It's yeah. a beautiful place. Thank you. Speak Ciao. Bye, Thomas. Bye.